What's Brian Flores going to change first when it comes to fixing the Vikings defense plus a full seven-round Vikings mock draft? It's all coming up next on the Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another episode of the Football Party and the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, Tuesday today, that means I'm taking over. We're getting mm-hmm. into our weekly draft edition of the football party. 74th annual Senior Bowl officially in the books. We got some big winners we'll get into. And who the Vikings could be targeting on draft weekend later. I'm going to unveil my latest seven-round Vikings mock draft. Going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. But I do want to start here first. Breaking news yesterday, hot off the press. Minnesota Vikings officially come to terms with Steelers linebacker coach and former head coach of the Dolphins, Brian Flores. He's going to take over for Ed Donatel as the newest defensive coordinator. Now, obviously, things were looking a little murky there for a hot second, Sam. Kwesi and KOC, it felt like they had three or four legitimate options, and we sat there last week and just kind of watched them get sniped one by one. Vic Fangio, he goes to Miami. Okay, how about Desai from Seattle? Nope, he withdraws his name. All right, well, Evero was, you know, he was always the odds-on favorite anyways, right? Poof, he's gone. So the Vikings kind of made this as maybe dramatic as possible, really left themselves with no other option, it felt like, unless they wanted to upgrade Mike Pettin, which I know you kind of loved, but got to say, I think you're in the minority on that one. But long story longer, I mean, they get the guy everybody wanted at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. Flores, major track record fixing the defensive side of the ball. Tremendous resume, too, coming from that Bill Belichick tree. And again, turning around that Dolphins defense in a hurry once he took over play-calling duties there in Miami. Real quick, I'll tell you why I love him, then I want your thoughts on the move. You bet. First of all, just besides the track record and resume of just being a guy who just knows what he's doing and how to get his defenses back on track, he is the polar opposite of Ed Donatel and the fact that he brings the heat, he brings the pressure, he's obsessed with the blitz in a good way. And after what fans went through last season with that Donna Shell playing off and soft coverage, getting just chewed up underneath up and down the field, I just think this fan base deserves a guy who's going to bring the heat more times than not, lives and dies by the blitz and creating pressure. And that's what the NFL is now, Sam. I mean, how are you going to disrupt the quarterback? Because I think even a Hall of Fame or Pro Bowl quarterback will tell you the one thing that will always be their kryptonite as long as this game is around is quarterback pressure and making life just miserable and just kind of uncomfy back there in the pocket. I mean, here's his blitz rates as a head coach in Miami. 2019, first year he takes over, 11th in the league. Mm -hmm. 2020, ranked second in the league. And 2021, he did it again. He brought the second most blitzes of any team in the NFL. So, Sam, whether it works or not, at least the Vikings 23 defense will go down swinging and do it their own way, just kind of dictating how the game's going to be played on that side of the ball. But I know you're a Mike Pettin guy, though. What's your thoughts on Brian Flores with this defensive roster he's taken over? Yeah, well, you point out kind of Flores' tenure in Miami, and you look at his first year in Miami where he took over a bad rebuilding team, 32nd in defense his first year. So that's on Flores' resume. But I think more importantly, he got them from 32nd to 6th in one year. One year. That's all it took. So while the 2019 season is a big asterisk, like a big red flag, the turnaround was unbelievable. Mm. So does that guarantee that he has the turnaround for the Vikings this year? Might not. 
It might take a couple of years. They might have to go through it for one more year. And the, the personnel situation isn't great here. Um, I think it's going to be hard to have that massive turnaround right away. But um, if indeed they do keep around some of these veterans, and I think that they'll, they'll still be a few that, that hang on to this roster, I think they'll be more comfortable kind of playing this Flores style because it is more similar to Mike Zimmer's. There's a level of aggression to it. There's a level of man-to-man to it. Um, and I, I think it'll be more entertaining to watch as a product because when you're sitting back, playing off, playing zone, and letting your teams pick you apart, I mean, that's about the feeblest way to go out. And that's kind of how they exited the playoffs against the Giants. Flores is going to go down swinging. And I think Mike Zimmer kind of went down swinging with, with his defenses the past couple of years. He was still aggressive. Um, you still saw a lot of wrinkles. And sometimes he got caught in them. And sometimes Flores will get caught in them. But I think that the old guard, the guys that, that knew Zimmer and had to kind of regress last year with Donatel, I think they'll be excited to play this style and they'll be able to use Harrison Smith a little better. They'll be able to use Eric Hendricks a little better. Um, so I love those blitz numbers you pointed out, Luke. That's exactly what I wrote down, 11th, 2nd, and 2nd. Turnover percentage, 31st his first year, 1st his second year. They literally had the highest wow. turnovers. That's uh, incredible. In the NFL, yep. Um, passer rating against, 27th all the way up to sixth, and then it was seventh the next year. So he he really had a top 10 defense those last two years in Miami. Good focus on the pass defense specifically. Um, so I think the only hang-up I have, Luke, is are they going to have him long enough mm-hmm. to actually make this transformation? Because um, I think you have to approach it like – now, there was some confusion on Twitter yesterday. Brian Flores is not Mike Tomlin. But like, <laughs> be clear about that. Two However, different people, two different, two different individuals right. that were mm-hmm. on the same coaching staff. But I think that Brian Flores is Mike Tomlin in the sense that he might be a one and done in Minnesota as the defensive coordinator. So can he have enough of an imprint in one year to really make a difference? I think you have to walk in eyes wide open, assuming that it could just be a one-year engagement. And I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, I got to ask, obviously a lot of pros to this move that we just went over. People are jacked up, but what are the downsides? You just touched on one. Does the track record concern you at all? Like, obviously this guy on the field from an X's and O's standpoint, one of the best in the league. But it's no secret, off the field, there's been a lot of news and you could say distractions for his team that have followed him. Does that get in the way at all or get to a point where that's bringing maybe more harm than good? I'm going to choose to assume that he was caught in a very poisonous like ownership situation in Miami um, where he was asked to tank and didn't want to. And he's now in a situation where no one would ever ask him to tank because the Wilts don't roll that way. Like I, I think that his work as a coach speaks for itself and maybe the prickly, you know, nature um, of his relationship with the Miami owners. I mean, maybe that speaks to something. I don't know what, but he's not in that situation here. He's not the head coach. He doesn't have to deal with all of those politics. That's Kevin O'Connell's job. Um, Brian Flores now gets to be a defensive coordinator which I think he's very well suited for. And I don't have any concerns about whatever it is um, between he and the NFL and some of the owners. I don't think that's anything that really should have an impact on what he's doing here. Yeah, yeah. people are going to argue the front office, they got to rebuild this defense before we can really expect any results. But I'm with you. I think differently. I mean, Hunter and Z, both top 10 in quarterback pressures last year. We talk about that a lot. Harrison Smith, still one of the best blitzing safeties in the NFL. And now you get to add Brian Osamoa's speed with Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., Caleb Evans into the mix, not to mention this year's new crop of talent from the draft. Pretty exciting, kind of a perfect segue into my latest seven-round mock draft. But first, remember, every day I'm posting a new poll over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page. So hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment. We're so close to hitting 5,000 subscribers. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown. M-I-N. And remember, after this show, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go behind the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and 
wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Sam, Senior Bowl in the books. It's officially mock draft season. I want to unveil my latest Vikings mock and go pick by pick with you here. Listen to your thoughts. Let's start at the top. It's no secret Vikings need more draft picks. They just do. No second rounder for TJ Hawkinson. No sixth. No seventh. They're just seriously hurting right now in the depth department. And I just think waiting from pick 23 all the way to pick 88 and watching all those second-tier prospects fly off the board, it just makes me cringe, man. I can't do it. And to be honest, I don't think this is fantasy land, what I'm doing here. I really think after what we saw Quasi do last year, he's more than willing, now more than ever, to make it back-to-back drafts where he moves down and just stockpiles some picks. But first and foremost, you got to have a trade partner. And this is where it gets tough. Predicting trades is is a sticky situation here. But I've got the New Orleans Saints moving up to take a quarterback, which they desperately need for the future at pick 23, whether it's Anthony Richardson from Florida, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. They need a guy to start building around. And now that they got their first round pick back for Sean Payton, they need to do what they got to do to go secure a top tier quarterback in this class. Vikings move down to 30 and just strictly going off the trade chart here. So I'm not cheating here. I'm not just going off the wall and being super unrealistic. A move like that would net an extra third and sixth round pick, meaning then they'd be sitting there with pick 30 and you still would have a long wait to your next pick. But at 72, at least you got three picks. You go bang, 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 72, 88, and 120. And that just feels a lot better about the holes on the roster. Do you feel like a trade back in round one has to be plan A first and foremost? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's Vikings fans are going to need, I think, to stomach a second straight year of potentially seeing good players available mm-hmm. and having to not get attached to those players. And I know last year, a lot of angst about who the Lions took. Jamison Williams, who the Packers took, Christian Watson, but ultimately... Kyle Hamilton, number one safety on the board sitting there. If you're going to take a safety anyways, just take Hamilton. What are we doing? This is the unpopular thing about trading back. So I would caution Vikings fans against getting too attached to whoever's on the board approaching at 23, because I think it is prudent, Luke. I think that you're losing probably so much talent in the next couple of years. You need to stockpile with youth. Um, you're going to have a super expensive wide receiver, the most expensive wide receiver in NFL history. And that's kind of like having the most expensive quarterback because the prices are getting more similar all the time. Uh, so you can't pay everybody. You need young talent. And the best way to do that is to have those top hundred draft picks. So I think it's smart. If you can not move down too far, like in your scenario, they're only moving down seven picks and they still get, a first round pick with the fifth year option. I think that's a prudent move. Yeah. And like most sports, but specifically in the NFL with these salary caps, every team, you get a window, right? You get a window to build that Super Bowl run. It's usually three, four, maybe five years, but then you got to restock, reload, start all over. And the Vikings defense specifically last year just got old really quick. We just kind of looked around and said, you know what? I think it's time to get some more youth in here. And obviously not having any early impact from your draft class, Lewisine, Andrew Booth, Caleb Evans only got a little bit from Brian Osamoa was kind of the one guy that was ready, but was stuck behind two starters to not see any of that draft class make an instant impact. That plays a factor as well. But certainly I think the Vikings, at least on the defensive side of the ball, you're right, Sam need to start reloading and start building that new Super Bowl win. All right, here we go. 30th overall pick, Sam. I know I've been a huge advocate of going cornerback early because not only is it just a loaded group of corners, maybe the strength of the entire class, in fact, but also now that we got Brian Flores, who needs legitimate press man cover cornerbacks when he sends all those blitzes, it feels even more likely they'd go cornerback, right? Well, if we take a step back and think about it, they've already got Dantzler. He's only 24. Booth Jr., he's 23. Evans, he's 23. And I think Patrick Peterson could be awfully interested in returning now with Brian Flores calling the shots or with so much young talent already, maybe grabbing a veteran from free agency, like just flinging a name out here, Jonathan Jones would make more sense. And when you look at his track record too, two out of the three years Flores was in Miami, they didn't go cornerback first. They actually went defensive line. 
In 2019, it was Christian Wilkins. 2021, it was Jalen Phillips. And we already know, I think, adding just some more explosive players in the middle to next to Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, that's got to be one of the priorities heading into this offseason. This team needs to get younger for sure, but they also just need more toughness, physicality, pass rushing abilities up the middle in the trenches. And there's no better guy to do it than Pittsburgh's Kalijah Kansi, Holy smoke, Sam, do I love this guy. I was watching his tape for his Tennessee. So we're talking about one of the best offenses in the country last year. Some of the best offensive linemen as well. Darnell Wright, one of them, a tackle. He was down at the Senior Bowl, had a huge week, could be a first-rounder now. And then they've got this guard in the middle who's going to come out next year. He's going to be one of the top guards in the draft, most likely. Can't see just own them all day long. It was incredible. And I know it's just one game, but the reason he could last until pick 30 is because he's small. He might not even be six foot, but much like another Pittsburgh defensive tackle in Aaron Donald, he's just figured out how to use that to his strength. And he's been able to get low, use a great anchor, outstanding hands to shed blockers. And Sam, he's maybe the quickest interior defensive tackle you can find outside of Jalen Carter in this class. He's a top three talent, though, kind of a blue chip kind of guy. He'll be long gone. So he's undersized, barely six feet. But what he brings to the table as a pass rushing defensive tackle who's strong, physical against the run, and just adding that into the middle of a Brian Flores defense, I think it's just too good to pass up on. I would go bananas if the Vikings could actually land him on day one after a trade back. What's your thoughts on not only mm -hmm. the position I went, but the player himself? I'm, I'm big on the Vikings needing defensive line depth. Mm -hmm. I don't think Dalvin Tomlinson is a guarantee to return, mm -hmm. and I don't think they have tremendous depth. Um, Kalijah Kansi comes from a wonderful program at Pittsburgh that develops defensive line talent. Rashad Weaver, Patrick Jones II, Jalen Twyman. Now, I'm not saying they were all unbelievable NFL players, but they were they, they have this pipeline where every year you got one or two defensive mm -hmm. linemen coming out. Now, the scary thing is when you do kind of draw that Aaron Donald compare. No one's Aaron Donald. Yeah, we're not doing um, that. Aaron and, Donald and, light, maybe. Right. And and Jalen Twyman, remember, he drew those kind of comparisons because mm -hmm. it's like, wow, he's he's short, but he's stocky and strong. Well, that was like a six-round pick. This is a first-round pick kind of guy we're talking about. Also, Jalen Twyman took a year off. He only had one good college season. This guy had a couple. Uh, 2020 or 2021 and 2022 were very good for Kansi. Um, Charlie Partridge, defensive line coach at Pittsburgh. I talked to him for a story way back when I was a writer, Luke, back, you know, a year, maybe, maybe two years ago. Um, talked to Partridge about sort of his philosophy grooming these guys. Like, I, I think that if Cansey is coming from his tutelage, mm. he's going to be like super mature. He's going to have his technique really, really squared away. So I like that kind of ACC Pittsburgh pipeline. And, and the Vikings were always very fond of drafting from the ACC as well under the Spielman watch. So I like Cansey. Um, I, I think that there's potential there just to get him in that rotation right away and find him some snaps. Yeah, so Mel Kuyper kind of started the buzz around this guy when he put him inside the top 10 to Philly in his latest mock draft. But most experts you talk to, they're going to say, no way, too early, love the kid, but that's too rich. Just because more times than not, in the first round, teams are looking for the physical traits you just can't teach. The tall, the long wingspan, the fast prospects, the ultra-high upside guys, if you will, and you wait on the more polished high floor players in round two and on. So I just can't see a 5'11 defensive tackle going top 20. I just can't. But you get him at 30 after grabbing extra picks, I think you're sleeping easy at night. Number seven on Bruce Feldman's freak list after he ran a 4.6940, put up a 31 and a half inch vertical, which just shows his lower body explosion for a man that size. And oh yeah, he benched 425 pounds. So great motor, great power. Just add some toughness and some, let's get some fresh legs into the trenches. But most of all, He's just lightning quick and finds a way into the backfield, Sam. PFF's number one pass rushing grade for all defensive tackles in the country, even better than Jalen Carter in that department. Exactly what this team needs. Final two seasons at Pitt, as you mentioned, 27 and a half tackles for loss, 17 sacks, 
And he just doesn't stop getting into the backfield, disrupting the play. I love the guy. I think it's a perfect fit for Brian Flores and what he needs to just kind of start out this new chapter in purple. I even heard a player comp to Chris Jones from Kansas City. And if you've watched him at all in the playoffs this year, you know how much a pass rushing interior tackle can just impact the game. And just real quick here too, Sam, before we move on, mm -hmm. and then I'll speed things up. We'll kind of fly through these. But I had the Saints moving up to take a quarterback. But to be honest, there's plenty of folks out there right now watching this, Sam, that are ready for KOC to grab a new young quarterback he can start to develop and just build for the future for the long haul. And they just don't see Kirk Cousins being the guy who can ever take over games on his own and just go on a Super Bowl run. So I pose the question, if the Vikings are on the clock and have Richardson or Hendon Hooker graded as a first-round prospect, should they pull the trigger and just go get their guy for the future? Yes. I think I think you do. Um, and that's not going to be a popular choice for some. It'll be very popular for others. It'll be polarizing. Mm -hmm. Quarterbacks are polarizing. At some point, you need to have the succession plan. Mm -hmm. Do you want to wait until Cousins is 38? You know, you want to wait. You, you want to be in the Falcons boat where, all right, they're scrambling. They've got... Um, who they take last year? Like a third round pick, Desmond Ritter, um, Desmond Ritter. Who, yeah, and and even that doesn't seem like that's a guarantee to hit right. for them. Right. Um, I I think that you do. I think that you got to be ahead of the curve when it comes to quarterback, because that's an asset for you. Quarterback is an asset. You got should be developing them more often than not, and the Vikings haven't done that. Now that they're reaching, I think probably the last few years of the Kirk Cousins era at most. Yeah. I, I think that that needs to be on the table, even though it doesn't necessarily help you this season. You can always make excuses not to do it. Yeah, I was just going to I'll tell you right now, just having KOC handpick his next quarterback just to mold, it's just awfully enticing, isn't it? It's such a young mm -hmm. quarterback-driven league now. And the Vikings, you think back, haven't had an exciting young quarterback since Dante Culpepper. I mean, they missed on Ponder. They missed on T-Jack. And they missed on Teddy. But you got to keep trying, man. I mean, you know, what's most enticing, too, I think, is knowing I get to pay that rookie quarterback rookie money for the next five years and then mm -hmm. build an all-star team around him, use that money for Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and some other elite talent. That's just the blueprint in the NFL now, if you can get away with it. And I love Anthony Richardson but I think he'll be long gone. I could see him going as high as number nine to Carolina. So you'd have to trade up to go get him if he's your guy. But I also love Hendon Hooker. And because he's old, going to be 25 next season and coming off an ACL, I think it's a rare case where you could find a top-shelf quarterback prospect in the later half of round one. And I just think the front office needs to at least think long and hard about pulling the trigger on their next young quarterback. That's all I'm saying. All right, coming up, we're getting into the rest of my latest Vikings mock draft. But first, more trade scenarios coming up after I tell you about FanDuel. It's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party, America's number one sportsbook. Download the app now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57. FanDuel allows you to bet money lines, point spreads, and and player props. It's safe, secure, and easy to use, and you get your winnings instantly. Join FanDuel today, fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Sam, we've got our new pass rushing defensive tackle for the middle of our defense. Now we still got a long wait until pick 72, and I'm looking at defense again here. Keep stockpiling. Let's get younger and faster at all three levels. Now, I can't say for certain, I think it's a hunch. We're all thinking it. Jordan Hicks probably isn't back. They saved the five and a half million and move on. Eric Kendricks may be gone as well. Now they already have Brian Osamoa, but I want to replenish this linebacker position and just have some insurance for Kendricks, whether it's this year or next. And I just love this kid out of Auburn, Owen Papo. So I went with him here, but I had to think really long and hard about this one, Sam. It was between him or Jack Campbell from Iowa, completely different athletes and molds. Campbell yeah. is more of your old school, traditional, like big six foot five, 250 pounder, probably only going to get bigger, fill out the frame even more. Great tackler, won the Dick Buckus Award for nation's top linebacker and the Campbell Award for best scholar athlete. So, you know, he's smart. He's got the football IQ thing going on. Then I look at Papo, who's he's got a similar grade in the third round discussion. And when you look at just these guys' ceilings and just betting on the tools, this kid from Auburn, 
I mean, he's just dripping with athletic ability and talent. The only reason he's going to fall this far, he dealt with an ankle injury his junior year. And to be honest, like Clancy, he's just another smaller, shorter guy. He's only six foot one, 225, not your prototypical NFL linebacker. But listen to this. Number eight on Bruce Feldman's freak list last summer. Folks inside the Auburn program say he is aptly nicknamed the freak. Six foot one, 225, bench press 435. That's more than Clancy did and has been clocked in with the 40 yard dash at 432. 432, Sam, like he's not just this huge athletic gamble either. He's been productive. He was a top two tackler on the team three out of his four seasons. He can fly around, play the run in the pass, not just this flash in the pan, one year wonder. He was a starting true freshman in the SEC, and he was a team captain at Auburn. I just think those things, they say a lot. They speak volumes to me, and he came in with a lot of hype. He kind of plateaued, never really progressed season to season, but just the bag of tools, if you can get past this six foot one, 225 frame, it's all there. And I think when we talk about the future of the Vikings linebacker position, it's Brian Asamoa and who? Maybe Eric Hendricks is around for another year or two. But when we think about the future, as broad as we need to go, it's Brian Asamoa and who's playing next to him. And I think there's two schools of thought here, Sam. It's either, okay, we already got the speedster, the lightning in a bottle with Asamoa. Now let's complement him with the more traditional six foot five, sideline to sideline, downhill, sure tackler, and Jack Campbell from Iowa. Or, or do we double down? Do we get another bullet train to go with him and say, this is our philosophy. This is how we're going to win at the linebacker position anyways, with speed, speed, and more speed. And all offseason, Sam, all we've heard, every fan wants more speed on this defense. Well, here he is. Your thoughts on complimenting Asamoah with Jack Campbell or yeah. doubling down with a more you know similar athletic type in Papel? Boy, th this is the evolution of football, right? Mm -hmm. Because Jack Campbell from 1950 to 2010 that's the guy you want quarterbacking totally. your defense you the, the, want that's him... a top 10 pick in 1978 yeah i mean the, like this is the guy you picture strutting around campus in the letterman's jacket that that you know <laughs> leads the way he's guiding the team he's the leader he's keeping people disciplined he's doling out the punishment uh he's you know mr america when it comes to he's just traditional football guy I don't know if he's the guy you want on your NFL team anymore. Mm -hmm. 6'5", 250. I don't know how that plays out, especially once he gets a little older. And Luke, here's the key stat on Jack Campbell. You ready for this? He basically played two years at Iowa, like smattering of snaps his first couple seasons. Um, two full years at Iowa. 65 of 81 completions when targeted. 80 plus percent completion percentage against him and it last year was really bad 39 of 42 93 percent against him now a lot of that's going kind of underneath check downs maybe it's not really his fault necessarily but that that pops out to me i need to watch some film to just corroborate okay why is everything getting caught when targeted his coverage grade though is good like pff's coverage actual just their condensed grade is good on him um, so how do I reconcile that with sort of his size? What speed is he going to be? I mean, isn't, uh, I assume the 40 Luke is going to be critical for Jack Campbell. Like if he can't run a mm -hmm. sub four five, that's going to disqualify him from a lot of these, a lot of these teams. Now, Papo doesn't have near the resume of Jack Campbell, but he might kind of fit that NFL mold. And, and I think if there's one thing the Vikings need to do, it's get faster on defense. Um, Papo isn't as physical, but he's fast. And I think that's key. I think you can kind of learn a little bit how to be more physical, how to tackle. I've seen a lot of Vikings defensive backs come in and improve at that in the NFL. I want the guy who can cover at this point. That's just the new wave, isn't it, in NFL football. And Papo, even though he's not as decorated as Jack Campbell, he fits the bill a little bit better. Yeah, and to your point, too, I think from all the years I've studied the draft process, which guys pan out, which don't, and more so, which guys end up flourishing and are kind of these steals in the later rounds that we look back on and say, man, we missed out on that guy. It's more times than not the intangibles 
and the raw physical tools. And between starting as a freshman, being named a team captain, and then being rumored to just run this ridiculous 40 time in the four threes, I think the idea of teaming up Asamoah with Paso, it's just too fun to pass up on here. And I get it. He'll be able to track and cover on passing downs a little bit, but he'll likely get exposed against these big-bodied tight ends up the seam and whatnot because he's only 6'1". But as far as getting chewed up on underneath stuff over the middle like we saw over and over again this season, I know Papo's going to help you sleep a lot easier at night with him on the roster, I'll tell you that. And think about what we said last week. Linebacker just feels like a position where you can find some studs in round three and four. Demario Davis... Fred Warner, two different types of builds for sure, but it's that position where you can find a, just a legitimate starter later in the draft, just going off history. That's what it's shown us. And I just think if I'm a GM, I think I'm just always going to wait on these guys at linebacker a few more rounds and use my picks elsewhere first and foremost. So, all right, two picks are in. We've added Feldman's number seven and number eight players on his freak list, so that's fun. We've gotten younger and faster on defense. Now it's finally time to take advantage of this cornerback class here, Sam. We waited early on. We passed up on some good ones, but because of the depth, we're getting great value, maybe a second-round guy in a normal year. Now we can get in the third or fourth round because there's just so many of them, and there's a lot to choose from, but another senior bowl standout I went with from Stanford, Kai Blue Kelly. And here's the deal, Sam. I'm just obsessed with bloodlines, man. It is what it is. I pounded the table for Antoine Winfield Jr. I knew Patrick Sertan Jr. would be an absolute stud. Asante Samuel Jr., he's thriving for the Chargers right now. If Joey Porter Jr. is there when Quasey's on the clock at 23, I hope he's just sprints to the podium. There's just something about this invaluable, irreplaceable gift of having a father who played in the NFL, I think it's just worth its weight in gold from just an intangible standpoint, not just being around the game your entire life. So, you know, the lights aren't going to be too bright for this kid, but also just knowing he probably had the best teacher he could have ever asked for from a technique and just understanding the game on a fundamental level. Kai Blue Kelly, he's in that pool of unique prospects. He's the son of former stud Tampa Bay cornerback Brian Kelly, who was on the 2001 Super Bowl team, led the league with eight interceptions in 2002. This guy thrives in press and man coverage exactly what Flores is looking for. I love his mindset. When he gets up there, he plays with that confidence, that swag you need at the position. He'll get caught a little flat-footed. He'll gamble once in a while, but he gets his hands on the ball. He's a threat to find the end zone when he does. I just love the playmaking ability, Sam. There's just so many good cornerbacks in this class, and the more I think about it, why not wait? fill other pressing needs, strike on the depth and value, getting a guy like this in the third or fourth round, that's just how you win draft weekend when the dust settles. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, can he can he play a little slot? It looks like he's done a little bit of slot work in a his little bit. career. A, not a lot. A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Slot is its own different animal. It's its own different beast. You know, Jonathan Jones could be an option there in free agency coming over from New England. He's played a lot of boundary and slot. If you want my honest opinion, I think the best pure just, all right, we're going to stick this guy inside and he's only going to play in the middle. Do you remember when we first did this Vikings mock draft about three weeks ago? I took the kid from TCU, Tredavious Hodgins Tomlinson. That's the guy who's just, I think, is the best pure slot inside cornerback. He's like 5'8 and a half, 5'9", but okay. man, is he sticky. He's great on the inside. It's tough to kind of decipher knowing a lot of these corners in college only played on the boundary. Doesn't mean they can't play corner. Who knows? Maybe Andrew Booth Jr. might fool around and flirt with inside corner we don't really know but I think Kai Blue Kelly's certainly a guy that you at least at training camp get into that rotation because you bring up a great point what are we doing with Chandon Sullivan I don't know yeah yeah and I don't think he's back I think they're going to need to find a slot and you might be able to find one in free agency more cheaply and -hmm. then you can just you know groom Kai Blue Kelly whatever other rookie it is on the outside where you want them long term because that's just a more valuable position but his resume looks pretty solid. Like, I don't know if he had the high-end success at Stanford, but he was good for four years there. Um, good tools. I I assume he's expected to run pretty fast. I mean, this is another one of those guys where you're you're itching to see the 40 time. But if if he doesn't post a f- something in the four fours, you'd be awfully disappointed. Just from the tape mm-hmm. I've seen, just from everything I've heard and read about him. If he's not somewhere in those probably low four fours, you'd probably be disappointed. I would say that. Yeah. So 
I think now in the preview you gave me, you also want to talk Julius Brents. I think yes. can we can we compare these two prospects? Because my Brents is becoming my guy. Like well, if he if he measures a legit six four and he runs as fast as they claim, this guy, this is where you know the the first day of the combine is huge. And that's why with the next pick, fourth round pick from Detroit, pick 120, I thought, you know what? Maybe this is nuts, but I just can't help myself here, Sam. This cornerback class is too rich, too deep. If the philosophy is just take the best player available and it fills a position of need for the Vikings, then that's all I need to hear. I doubled down. I went back to back. I went Kai Blue Kelly. And then just to make sure we're covered because we can't get caught in Brian Flores' defense with not enough good cover cornerbacks. And in this league, I say it all the time, the way teams pass the ball they spread you out every team needs three if not four good cover corners anyways and if you think this coaching staff maybe they're not sold on cam dantzler or andrew boot jr because of all the injuries and inconsistencies then why gamble when there's a rich class of cornerbacks staring you in the face that's why you traded down so you had this luxury and freedom let's go back to back cornerbacks and brents was a senior bowl standout man russell brown came on last week and talked mm -hmm. about him what more do you want a true press man cover corner six foot four and got the arms sam of like a pterodactyl out here i'm not kidding you he might have the longest arm of any cornerback of his peers. So what more do you want? And I love that he played at Iowa first too, got some Big Ten experience on defense, and then he transfers to Kansas State, just goes nuts. Five interceptions his final two seasons. And again, it's the size that you can't teach. Maybe looking at another Tariq Woolen, the stud cornerback Seattle found in the fourth round. Typically, those taller guys, they got a hard time flipping their hips, not staying smooth and low to the ground. But Julius Brents, from everything that I've watched on tape and then at the Senior Bowl, he just looks smooth. He looks natural. He looked natural at practice and mobile. Won a lot of reps against both shorter, shiftier, quicker dudes and then the big-bodied alpha number one boundary kind of guys too. So it's a loaded class of corners. Julius Brents, he's starting to kind of make a big name for himself. And now you've got an absolutely loaded cornerback room, Sam, for the next five, six, maybe seven years. Hopefully Flores can just kind of mold, pick his flavor. He's got all sorts of shapes and sizes in there. Yeah, I mean, it, for, so first of all, it looks like the measuring in situation at the senior ball looks like he came in about six three. So six three, yeah, six and, three and a half, and, right? In shy, I'm seeing six three zero. So maybe I don't know if that's straight up six three, uh, but either way, I mean, if that's a legit six three, either I'm way. good with that. That that's still phenomenal. He's one of the tallest corners in the league. He's Tariq Woolen, um, and whenever he got a chance to play, so he started at Iowa um, as a true freshman. And was good right away. I don't know if he had injury issues. I don't know if he had off the field issues. I'll have to look this up. I'm still learning on Julius Brent. Didn't really play the next two years at Iowa. Transfers to Kansas State. He gets a chance and he's immediately good again. So whenever he's gotten a chance in the college game for two different programs, he stood out. And last year, completion percentage against him, 46 percent mm. i love it and again you may be right a little shade under six four still what are we talking six three i see six three and a quarter either way it's the arm length 33 and three quarter inch arms you're talking nearly offensive lineman arm length so again now we've got multiple flavors here for brian flores in case Andrew Booth Jr., maybe a caleb evans cam dantzler in case one if not more of those guys don't pan out plus we already talked about it. Maybe Patrick Peterson's not back. Most people will put that at maybe more than even 50% chance he's not back. And maybe Chandon Sullivan's not back either. Just don't think it's a bad or wrong route to go here, Sam, to double down on a great, deep, rich cornerback class with those extra picks. So four straight defenders. I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling great about that. I feel amazing about what we just added into the defense. New young core, new nucleus to build around with Lewisine, Asamoah, everyone else from last year's class. It just feels like we kind of just hit the reset button after just feeling so old and slow on defense all season in 2022. Now it's time we'll speed through these last picks here. We got to get KOC some weapons. Not a ton of like true alpha number one wide receivers, but Andrea Yosevich, wide receiver from Princeton, don't know if you saw him at the Senior Bowl at all, just flipping around on the NFL Network, but 212 pounds bulked up since he graduated from Princeton. If he maintains his speed, he may be a dangerous weapon. Huge track background, ran track at Princeton, rumored to run 
in the four twos at the combine. And you saw the vertical speed at the senior bowl. He even was interviewed and he said, you know, I see and feel a lot of these mm-hmm. DBs backing up, giving me a lot of extra cushion because they don't want to get beat deep. So we know speed kills in the NFL. This kid's got that in spades. And at some point in the draft, Vikings just need to take advantage of this deep class. It's lacking a lot of true big alpha number one body guys, like I said. But instead, there's a ton, a tremendous pool of future, maybe number two or number three type of weapons for you in the NFL. Yosevich, I just think he's got the tools he can't teach. The size, six foot two, 212 pounds, the speed rumored in the four twos. You'd love to see him across from J.J., especially not knowing what the future holds for Adam Thielen and maybe K.J. Osborne next offseason as well. So this wide receiver room may look a lot different in 2024. But either way, you got to keep trying to find ways to help Justin Jefferson, Sam, when defenses choose to double and triple cover him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know enough about Yosevis to say that, oh, he's Cooper Cup. But there's a comparison there in that there's value in the small school, guys. Like, mm-hmm. if there's a, a truly great talent if all things are equal between the big school and the small school, the, the pro teams are going to take the, the big school guy. I mean, the small school guys are going to fall in the draft order. And if you can get them in the middle rounds with great production in college, and when you have physical tools like Yosevis, who's like, what'd you say? Six, three, 200 ish. That kind of makes me think mm, Cooper cup, Eastern Washington. He fell in the draft and he's Cooper cup. So that that's what you hope for. That's obviously the best case scenario, and a lot of guys fall short of that. But when you're taking, taking them in the middle rounds, it's just a good flyer to bet on those tools and hope that you can get the most of them, uh, the most out of them. Yeah, and there's a lot of them too. I just went with Yosevich in this, you know, specific example here. But Jaden Reed from Michigan State, he balled out down at the senior bowl. David Bell from Michigan. There's tons of them. You know, I said this was Zimmer. If he was such an elite defensive wizard and savant and coach, like he was for the majority of his career, then why can't he let the offense use all those early picks and you find the late day three diamonds in the rough that you can mold and develop, like the J-Ron curses, Anthony Harris. And the same goes for KOC, I think. You're the offensive genius, right? So you should let your defense get the fun toys early in the draft, which is only really going to help your offensive team in reality anyways. And you do what you do best. You find the late round gems on your side of the ball. Yosevich certainly, he's just got those high-end tools to be a weapon for him. But again, could be any one of those receivers. I just think waiting a little bit later on that position and that side of the ball makes more sense just given where we're at with the hierarchy of Kevin O'Connell being an offensive coach. Uh, Let's just rip through these last ones here. Sixth round pick we got from the Saints. I went interior offensive line. Russell Brown was on the show last week. He told us about the senior bowl guard from Alabama, Emil Accord Jr., four-star recruit coming out of high school, landed with Bama, Nick Saban. That's why. Good size, 6'3", 317 pounds, 90th percentile wingspan at 81 and a half inch. He's got the great long arms that you covet that you can't teach. Clearly a top 10 guard in this class. It's got the mean streak and nastiness. I just want more of that in the trenches for the Vikings, whether it's him or another guard. Sam, how high do you think we need to look at the interior offensive line for the Vikings? Well, I saw your other mock that you put out on Sunday, and you had him going interior O-line with your first two picks. So that is certainly one way to go as well. John Michael Schmitz, the center, and Steve Avila from TCU. And I Mm -hmm. think, honestly, real quick, 10 seconds, Steve Avila from TCU, I'm going to talk about him a lot. He is a perfect fit for an e-mobile quarterback like Kirk Cousins because what he does best is this snatch and anchor, and he just sits defensive tackles down, stops them in their tracks, and creates this clean pocket a guy like Kirk needs. But what are we talking? We're going to use the 72nd overall pick or a third-round pick, call it, if not earlier. So wait, so we just used a second-round pick on Ed Ingram last year. Maybe we want to get John Michael Schmitz a uh, first-round center. How many early picks are we going to spend on the interior offensive line, Sam? I just don't know how realistic a guy like Steve Avila can be knowing mm-hmm. what we already invested in Ed Ingram. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that John Michael Schmitz does make sense mm-hmm. because you need a center, and he's ready. Like he's, he's super old. Everyone's saying he's the best guy in the field. So that's probably a plug-and-play situation. So if you took John Michael Schmitz, not only are Minnesota fans fired up, I think you have a day-one center, and you've replaced Garrett Bradbury with somebody who's cheap, team-controlled. I I think that people might be a little gun-shy, like, oh, man, another another, uh, center with your first pick. But 
when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, you can't really put a price on that interior blocking because that's exactly. Kirk Cousins' kryptonite. So it mm -hmm. means a little more to the Vikings than it would other teams uh, who have those mobile quarterbacks where you don't need to to pour so much into that. Um, I don't know if I would go double down on that like, like you did in your mock. I'm not saying that you're a bad human being for doing that. But I think finding just more pieces to, to add in that mix, I think is, I think is smart. And uh, you might need potentially need to find a starter and even someone to compete with Ed Ingram. I don't think Ed Ingram needs to be given the job next year. Yeah. A lot of positions we all want to fill here this off season. And it makes it awfully tough when you don't have a lot of picks, especially no second again, all the more reason like we started at the top moving back in round one, stockpiling those picks. All right, last one, Mr. Irrelevant. I told you they need a developmental quarterback. If you watch the senior bowl at all, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Maybe the worst group of quarterbacks we've seen in a decade. But KOC, I think he's just got to pick one of these guys, whether it's Jaron Hall from BYU. We talked about him last week, rocking arm, baseball background. They could go Jake Hayner from Fresno State. He won the Senior Bowl MVP, although might give some fans some PTSD. Christian Ponder, he also won the Senior Bowl MVP down there. I'm going with Max Duggan, TCU. I think the one thing we all overlook with Brock Purdy, he was able to have early success in his career because of so many games and snaps logged under his belt when he came out of Iowa State. Duggan, kind of in the same pool here. 45 collegiate games he started in the Big 12 program. Took almost 3,000 snaps there. I love the toughness, the mobility. I'm just so ready, Sam, for a quarterback that can create with his legs. Doesn't need to be Lamar. But just a guy when the play breaks down, you're not dead in the water. Got to have it in today's NFL. Duggan's got that in spades. Athletic, buys some mm -hmm. time. Super sturdy, too, unlike Jaron Hall. Tough as rocks. Got to get somebody back there, though, Sam. And I don't think Nick Mullins is the answer. And to be honest, when I look at this class, yeah. I see the big five going really early. Maybe all top 40 picks at worst. And then I see a long gap, a long wait until the second tier guys goes. Like Jake Hayner, Jaron Hall, Duggan. I'll start flying off the board there. Final pick, though, Mr. Irrelevant. I'm going with Duggan, quarterback of the future. So what is, and I'm, I'm trusting that you have at least some read on this, what is the knock on Duggan? Because he put up great numbers. Um, he's mobile. So what is it, the arm strength? Here's the thing, accuracy? Sam. Yeah, what, what is it? When there's pressure in his face, and you're going to get that at every level of competition, Things break down. Not only does the mechanics start to go wonky, but all of a sudden he starts to become not only inaccurate, but starts to throw a lot of turnover-worthy balls, and he starts to make yeah. mistakes. And that's one of the first things scouts look for is, what do you do when there's pressure in your face? Because as great as it is to just run around and scramble, you can't do that all the time. Teams eventually will put a spy on you at linebacker or wherever it may be and force you to win in the pocket. Also, maybe not like the strongest arm. I would even argue Jaron Hall has a stronger arm than him. I know we saw Nick Mullins play a little bit in that Chicago game through an interception trying to beat that cover two cornerback safety window. Didn't have the arm strength. So we like to talk about these developmental young guys. Then we finally see them against the best of the best, and maybe they just don't have what it takes to cut it. So that could be the case here. Again, we're talking a seventh-round quarterback here, Sam. So there's certainly going to be some limitations here. But again, I don't care who it is, whether it's Duggan or somebody else. they got to draft a young quarterback to start developing for KOC here. Yeah, and I'm looking at Duggan's um, splits on PFF. Mm -hmm. He's got a 91-grade when kept clean last year, 47 grade when under pressure. So yeah. I, I think, which is like not great. I mean, most of these quarterbacks, that's usually what happens, mm -hmm. but do they have the teachable traits to stand in there and take a shot and still deliver a good throw? Some of them do. Some of them don't. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so I, but I like it. I like taking a guy with athleticism in the seventh round, um, I think we all we all saw what Brock Purdy can do with with not even like I don't think he was billed as the most athletic quarterback of all time. Like they mm -hmm. didn't that wasn't part of his resume necessarily. But when you watch him, yeah, he's got plenty of athleticism, like functional athleticism to avoid pressure and extend plays. That's all you need. You don't have to be Lamar Jackson. You just need to make the play last another couple seconds while your eyes are still downfield. Easier mm -hmm. said than done. But um, you're taking flyers in the seventh round, so why not try to find someone who can do a little bit of that? And you know who he kind of has some shades of? I hate player comps sometimes because it's like it's just so it's so hard to do, it's so ridiculous, so inaccurate. But you know he's got some shades of in his game. Taysom Hill. 
Same kind mm. of thing going on there. Maybe not quite as big. Would have to bulk up, put on another 15, 20 pounds. But, I mean, there you got it. Quick recap. If you're not going to take a quarterback early, which I think needs to be at least a talking point, then you got to trade down first and foremost. Maybe a team wants to move up for a quarterback like we had New Orleans doing here today. Maybe B. John Robinson, one of the top five players in the class, because he plays running back, he falls a little bit. Maybe some front office wants to move up and grab him. Whatever the case may be, Sam, I just think because you can see here, just adding two extra picks, one in the third round and one in the sixth, could just make all the difference in the world here. So team trade back, got to be option A. And then we had Clancy at the top, Owen Papo, the athletic freak from Auburn. Got to pair him up with Brian Asamoah. That's fun. Double down at cornerback. Take advantage of this deep, rich class. Kai Blue Kelly, he's got the NFL genes that I love. Julius Brents, we're both starting to fall in love with him. Big, long, six foot three, long arms. And then you got to go offense and get KOC some diamonds in the rough. I had him taken the Princeton wide receiver track star. You get a guard in there. Finally, you get a quarterback. Top to bottom, I mean, these are fun to do, probably a little unrealistic at times, but um, what's your quick thoughts and just final takeaways you're saying? Yeah, going heavy defense. I think that like, if you combine our two conversations today, the Flores mm -hmm. conversation and the draft conversation, does Flores want to develop or does he want to roll with the vets? Right. Did you right. bring him in? What did you bring him in to do? Right. Did you Do you think because... As and how long does he think he's going to be here? Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. So you might bring in all these young guys. Mm -hmm. Flores develops them. Are you just, if he leaves after one year, do you blow it up? That's where Mike Pettin, my guy, actually makes Your a guy. lot of sense because he could continue, I think, the exact same scheme. Um, so you got to have someone in waiting. Maybe it's not Pettin. Maybe it's Durante Jones. But if this is going to be a one and done for Flores, you got to find a way to have a successor and make sure this thing continues into year two because you might not experience the fruits of the labor right away. Like we mentioned, his first year in Miami, dead last, and then the turnaround happened. So the turnaround might not happen right away, especially if he's introducing a lot of new concepts. No, perfectly laid out. It's time to start thinking about the blend now of the new addition, Brian Flores, what that defense is going to look like, not just for this year, like you said, for the long haul as well. All right, we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Go give us your thoughts. Go comment on the YouTube page right now. Do you think the Vikings need to go quarterback early? Are you all in on Kirk Cousins for the long-term future? Are you team trade back in round one? And if not... Which stud do you hope falls to the Vikings at pick 23? But that's a wrap today, Sam. Had a lot of fun with you, man. Remember, mm -hmm. like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party, your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast, too, free and available all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check them out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the football party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition of the football party. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out.